in my quest this week to catalogue all of my um, my beer collection, came across a 4X Pale and a, another 4X. I'd forgotten uh, about 4X Pale. Yeah. That was like a yeah, big exactly. thing. Yeah, exactly. We didn't forget on Brews News. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner if you're a brewer, and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Good Brews Week, and I am your host, Pete Mitchum. It's good to be back. And joining me, who's also back, it's Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. And I just, as you say that each week, I just think, you know, 25 years in the field, I hope that they've got some really good sunscreen. Because... It's pretty brutal out there. Wow. Plenty of crickets and uh, tumbleweeds out in those fields as well. And joining us for hopefully something far more entertaining and interesting than that, it's Jimmy Gold. G'day, Jimmy. G'day, Pete. I wish I'd prepared a joke earlier. But, uh, oh, couldn't you tell I didn't prepare that? Even if I did, it wouldn't have stood the, stood up against that. Wow. Well, when it comes to humour, it's fair to say that Matt is fairly clueless. And when it comes to podcasts, it's fair to say that this week we are fairly clearless. Oh, wow. See, you, <laughs> you ripped off my joke. I said that in the... Uh, well, we, we, we've always been clueless, but now we're clearless. That's right. Keep that. We'll, we'll use that. I was going to give it to you, but when you came out with the field, one, I th- no, all bets are off. Good good artist borrow, great artist steal. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. What they say about comedy is just tragedy that happens to somebody else. So suck it, Matt. <laughs> anyway, on with the news. <laughs> on with the, well, before we get on with the news, how have you been? Yeah, mate, not too bad. You're not too bad. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, you know, I'm watching what's going on in Victoria and you know, thinking about you guys uh, and, and hoping you're all okay and feeling, you know, counting our blessings somewhat. One of the main tenets of comedy is, um, and, I, and I think it might have been Mel Brooks, but, you know, um, what is it? Tra- tragedy is where when I stub my toe. Um, comedy is when you fall in it into an open sewer and die, <laughs> like, a, like taking it to the extreme. And it's got to that stage where you, if you if you don't laugh, you'll cry. And um, last week um, we had the you know the fence blew down. The, we had we had a bit of a storm. We're all locked down. There's we've been given a an extra helping of um, cop that and. Um, <laughs> Then to make things worse, the power went out and there was a substation somewhere, a, a chlorination station, which you would think would be a fairly, you know, integral, um, critical infrastructure part that obviously didn't have any backup power. So then not only, you know, do we do we got, got a couple of this and the internet goes out, no power and all that sort of thing. But then I had this uh, group of um, English football fans out the front singing, if you drink the water here, you, you will die. Really? So it, it was just <laughs> why like it was just one Where'd thing. Where they come from? One of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. By the sounds of it. I tell you what, that, like we get twenty knocks at the door every day because it's either food deliveries or um, the mail or parcels from you know various bits and pieces because it's in the Pilsner household and um, it's it's you know Father's Day and then birthday season where we have uh, three out of the five of us have birthdays back to back to back, and so. I'm not going to be surprised if I do answer the next knock and it is the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, just sort of going, anything you need? Yeah. <laughs> anything I can do for you? 
And look, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay, you know, or, or make light of it, um, because there, there are plenty of people who are, who are doing okay and are, are managing and are finding new ways of, of doing things and, and adapting, and and actually, can't we? are looking forward to coming out the other side, with, I guess, greater resilience and some ideas, you know, for, for whether it's working from home or you know ordering online or creating your business or whatever it might be. But there are also plenty of people out there who are who are genuinely doing it tough. And it's and it's the emotional stress that it gives you because you know it's just, it's every day it's it's just one thing after it's the same old um, uh, what do you call it media conference thing where they trot out numbers and but don't actually give us any answers or any sort of you know hope and it's all just getting a bit I think people are half of them are just sort of switching off and the others are you know chewing their fingernails Pete I went for a um I went for a run yesterday up at Binnaburra which is Gold Coast hinterland and it's actually been one year since the bushfires that hit uh, the Gold Coast and then basically the rest of the country um which was just kind of it feels like that was forever ago but then mm. you know it feels like it only just happened and i've got such a distorted sense of time at the moment but yeah that was one year ago pretty much last week when those fires hit because i was up there for a race a year ago and we got evacuated um the night before the fires went through and it was, it's been one year since that area of the hinterlands reopened so not to be <laughs> forecasting well, interesting. Would, would, would you know it like what did it look like a year later no it was it was beautiful uh there's some blackened trees still some of the bigger trees um the biggest thing that got hit up there was the roads so the roads a lot of the roads collapsed but the actual um sort of um forest rainforest has, has come right back completely totally green and lush and beautiful um which is kind of what rainforests do um, yeah, no, exactly. And in my time with um, with the state emergency service, we um, we were involved in um, recovery immediately after uh, Black Saturday down here. And you know, in in one trip, you're up there, and there's stumps and uh, trunks and trees still smouldering or still you know um, creating little uh, spot burns and that sort of thing. But then you know, two three uh, weeks or months later. And it's it, not like it never happened, but it's it's amazing just how resilient the um, yeah, the bush can be. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully uh, this year's season is much better than. <laughs> and yeah. while well, while we're in the way back machine, um, this time last year we would have been uh, toasting the indie success, the various uh, winners at the indies. That's right, and um, and we would have just come off the back of Brucon. We would have come off the back of Brucon, and uh, all that uh, took place there. And we'd been uh, chatting with Pete Brown and uh, Stephen Beaumont, amongst others. And yeah, and uh, that didn't happen this year, and it won't happen Fun this times. year. And then mm. we did something that we're uh, not likely to do for a long time yet, Matt. And that was we went and went to an airport and got on planes. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't long after that that uh, <laughs> I went to uh, Seabrew and then met you in uh, Portland. Uh, yeah. So, but as Jimmy said, very distorted sense of time. It seems so long ago in so many ways. But anyway, we're we're getting a little bit maudlin and a, a little bit away from. Um, well, no, no, I was trying to bring a positive note oh, to it. But, you know, okay. in the same way that the the bush is very resilient after uh, bushfire, um, I think we all need to uh, uh, take a, a leaf out of nature's book. I think, and and steal ourselves for uh, the future. Mm. And even though we won't be uh, in Yakima this year for the harvest um, or for the, uh, the the selections and all that goes on there, uh, our good friends at 
uh, YCH, Yakima Chief Hops, are going virtual. And uh, there are a couple of uh, that are being done in Australia-friendly time zones, and you can find details to those in the show notes or uh, on our website as featured events, uh, including a chat with uh, Scotty Hargrave, um, uh, who's always a great guy to listen to about uh, hops. So anyway, um, that's... Yeah, it'll little be interesting to see just on that, map whether or not, you know, virtually selecting your hops. I, I guess at the end of the day, it, it's nice if you can actually be there and, and get the whole sensory experience. But if you if you have a, a level of trust with um, whether it be the guys from YCH or whoever, you know, grows or supplies your, your hops that, you know, over a Skype call, they can sort of say, this one's very similar to, you know, what you got last year with this particular batch or... Um, the early season stuff is actually a little bit more, uh, you know, tropical fruit or whatever it might be. It'll be interesting to, to, to see and then how that translates into the into the beers. And, and that's what it's where it's fascinating because obviously in Australia, hops are blended and in the US, a lot of them are, but then, you know, there are certain selections of blocks and, you know, you, you speak to the people that have done the hop selection and they can... They swear they can sort of get the difference between separate blocks of of, of hops. Um, and if you read, uh, it, there's just so many varying uh, opinions that um, it will be interesting to see what comes out of the 2020 hop selections and how people feel about it. Yeah. Um, now, hopefully, I know you guys up there. Uh, we can't down here yet. We, we we can't hashtag get on the beers just yet. But uh, up there, you can. But can I do it in a pub, Matt? And can I do it in a brewery? The long-awaited Queensland Artisan Licence Bill has been introduced. Hi, uh, I'm the Queensland Artisan Liquor Licence. <laughs> Pleased to meet you. In its last sitting week before the October state election, the Queensland Government introduced a long-awaited legislation to Parliament to create a new Artisan Liquor Licence. Minister for Regional Development and Manufacturing, Glenn Butcher, today introduced the Liquor, uh, brackets, Artisan Liquor, close brackets, Amendment Bill <laughs> 2020, saying... It, quote, delivers on our government's commitment under the Queensland Craft Brewing Strategy to establish a new licence that better suits industry and reduces regulatory burden. Under the new licence, brewers will be allowed to sell other Queensland artisan liquor for on-premise consumption, provided those sales do not exceed 30% of their annual sales. So this all sounds good until you realise a bill has... This is a little bit like planning to plan the Uh, plan of the strategy. (laughs) This is one of those things that just makes you very cynical about government. Um, to give listeners uh, the sort of back view um, of this, in Queensland, to operate as a bar, you need a hotel licence, um, you know, or you need a restaurant licence, or you need some form of licence when your business is is around that. The, the Queensland craft brewers who initially couldn't run bars without getting a separate hotel licence, have been advocating for a a special producer's licence for well over a decade. Um, And one of the things they've pointed to is the Queensland Wine Industry Act or the Wine Industry uh, Development Act um, that the Queensland government passed back in the 90s. The Queensland government said, we want a um, wine industry because grown-up states have a wine industry and... We're going to support our wine industry. And that's been very, very successful. And so it lets wineries, for example, um, you know, if you are a Queensland wine producer, you can open a bar, essentially, that sells 
up to 50% other products because people may not just want to come in and drink your wine. They might want to sample your wine or whatever. Um, they've got their satellite cellar doors so you can set up elsewhere other than just on your winery. Um, you can turn up to food and wine events under your uh, licence and sell well, it's called a sample, but it's a 150 mil glass of wine, which to me is called a glass of wine. Um, That's a generous sample. It's a pretty generous measure. sample. Um, and you can also sell bottles. And so Queensland brewers have been advocating for that. Um, now, on, on, on the other side of the debate um, is hotels, the, the Queensland Hotels Association, Bars and Clubs Queensland, who say, well, hold on, sport. If you want to run a bar, get a hotel licence. Um, which there, there is some merit in that because if you've got a hotel licence, it's very expensive to apply for. Then you have a whole lot of additional costs as well. And if you remember, we talked about the fire levy late last year, um, which was if you were a hotel, you were essentially charged more than if you were a forestry, which forestries tend to have more fires than hotels. Um, and so all of your costs go up if you've got a hotel licence. There's also other... Um, requirements with having a function space, a and function, having, yeah, whereas, all of that, a kitchen, yeah. and yeah, those, those sorts of things. Which so is hard to retrofit if you've only put a you know a brewery in a shed. Effectively, it's hard to do that after the fact if you're trying to apply for a hotel license. Yeah, and if you're a brewery and you don't want to, and, and you just want to sell your own stuff and give people a reason to come in, and incidentally, that's what the community wants these days. They don't necessarily want pokey dens and you know gin palaces, the way that hotels in the eighties and nineties were. So the, the Queensland government has been uh, working with the industry. Um, now, what they've come up with, let, let, let's ignore the fact that they've introduced the bill that is going to lapse um, at the end of this week because uh, there's a state election coming up and it's just going to have to be reintroduced again. But on one hand, they're, they're saying it delivers on our uh, government's commitment under the Queensland Craft Brewing Strategy to establish a new licence that better suits industry and reduces leg- re- regulatory burden, and it just simply doesn't. Um, you know, it, it doesn't solve any of the problems that the, the brewers were asking for. And where it does tinker with them, it tinkers with them in a way that creates more red tape. Um, and there was a really good post by Russell Steele, who knows liquor licensing laws inside and out. But, you know, it really is a case. The Queensland government either needs to say to breweries, you can't function as hotels. If you want to function as a hotel, get a hotel licence. Or it can say... We want to support and nurture craft breweries because in his media release, he also said the number of breweries, the financial contribution to the state, the great employment, and that's nominally what they want to support. And they simply haven't. Um, And there's a very good case for why breweries should be treated differently to hotels because they don't want pokies. They don't want to be open till three o'clock in the morning. You know, they don't want to pour Great Northern. They they, They want a route to market to engage um, and excite people about small batch product well it's not it's offering an alternative you you can say in this in this particular suburb you've already got plenty of of that model we want to provide something that's similar but different and people don't want that anymore because hotels are no longer um you know once upon a time your local hotel was called your local hotel not because it was you know in the suburb but because it's where members of the community went. And when you've got pokey dens that are you know, pouring you know, mainstream beers from around the country under contracted arrangements, um, you know, they've got the same menu that they're publishing uh, you know, in the Korea Mail because it's a uniform menu right across the state, that's not a local venue. And you know, 
the, the Queensland hotels are in the same uh, category as, for, for me, the, the taxi councils in each state where they were given a licence by the government and they grew fat and lazy in their monopoly and they didn't want to change. And, you know, despite all of the criticism uh, around taxis and the surcharge for using a credit card, even though they were complaining about being held up, they didn't want to, you know, they punished people for using a credit card, all of these things. They grew lazy and they didn't reflect the desires of consumers because they were a monopoly and they didn't have to. It was, you know, well, what else are you going to do? And that's what hotels have done for a long time. And I remember reading a, a, a study you know, about a decade ago, the New South Wales, you know, the head of the New South Wales Hotel Association, you know, saying we dropped the ball, we got so used to having pokies that, you know, we turned and making money from pokies that we turned around and realised that no one was in our front bar because they were just chasing pokie revenue. And, you know, look, there's, there are a whole lot of problems with Queensland hotel licences you know, and, and the, the way that they've gone about it, but craft breweries shouldn't be punished for the you know the, the 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 ridiculousness of Queensland hotel licences, and if the government is going to support the small brewing industry, actually support it. Don't tinker around the edges and create more paperwork with legislation that doesn't actually achieve what even you say you're wanting to achieve. And perhaps that's why they're just introducing the bill rather than uh, just getting out the pen, uh, the new COVID flavoured pen. The, um, this. Crisis has shown us that you know what a stroke of the pen you can make things happen if you want to. So it, it, it amazes me that we'll put something through at you know in time on in the last quarter to use an AFL uh, analogy, knowing that well hang on the, another game's going to start you're going to have to reintroduce it again uh, when they could have just said let's just do it. Well, that, that's the, yeah, the, but then then again you know it was meant to be introduced on Tuesday and the <laughs> um, treasurer tried to introduce some legislation and you know. It, I'll tell you what, I was, I was watching Parliament trying to find out when this um, came, and it is just childishness. It, it's just ridiculous. Anyone who watches Parliament is going to realise why um, things can't get done. And that's on both sides. You know, that No one came out of it looking good. But, you know, if, if they wanted to, and so much of politics is just giving yourself political cover um, and introducing this, knowing it's going to lapse, um, hoping that it's going to, uh, presumably, hoping it's going to create get people to vote for the Labor government in the next election so they can reintroduce a less than suitable bit of legislation, just uh, smacks of you know, something that's a little bit disappointing. Actually, I have to say that you know, when, as a journalist, when you write these pieces, you don't want to be seen to be you know, terribly partisan. We're writing for the brewing industry. We're not, because I, I read the mainstream coverage of this and it just took the uh, government sound bites hook, line and sink. It didn't analyse, didn't, because... They're not interested in it. It just took the government's, uh, you know, talking points and did a story about it. We write for the brewing industry, and so we need to analyse it a little bit more. Um, and also, we're writing for the industry. So, if we took the government's line and said, "Hey, this is awesome for the Queensland government," you've got the brewers who actually know whether this is awesome for them. Going well, no, it's not. Yeah, so, shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to be unnecessarily down on the, the Queensland government. But, and it, it, look, if the government came out and said, look, we can't give you everything that you want, but we'll give you this because these are the considerations we've got to balance, but they're not. They're coming out and saying craft brewing is important. It's a huge economic driver for the state. It's a big employer, particularly in regional areas, all things that we want to do. Then 
get out of the way of the businesses that are doing the things that you say that you're supporting um, when there's no good reason other than the Queensland Hotels Association is a very, very powerful lobbying um, group. Yeah, and before we move on to our next story, I missed last week, but uh, I will take this opportunity to uh, congratulate Crafty um, uh, James Smith over at the Crafty Pint for uh, getting their 10-year anniversary up. And it um, uh, segues nicely into what you were just talking about, Matt, um, about the quality of, of journalism generally, but certainly, yeah, how it's changed. And this week in um, in uh, Wills Wilsabel, um mm-hmm. posted a, uh, a story that basically – uh, followed the uh, the rise and rise of of beard journalism from um, blogs to Bruges News, you could have called it, I guess, or, um, in uh, in Australia. Yeah, which was a good read. Yeah, no, and look, I was quoted. You know, I had a long. Will phoned me to um, yes, have asked my thoughts about it, and two hours later, I let him go. Um, so yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. Sorry, um, Will. Oh no, that'll learn you. Share the pain, will share the pain. Um, but it, it, it was uh, we're all in this together. And, and you know, like afterwards, I reflected and thought, you know, I'm actually, I, I, in a lot of ways, I'm really down on the promise um, of uh, beer journalism because you know, if you go back 20 years, you had guys like Willie Simpson who was writing really knowledgeably. And he was quoted in the articles of saying, look, you know, if a brewery opened, I wrote about it because there were so few. You can't do that these days. Um, but Willie was also the first person to call out CUB, you know, for example, in 2010 over the Brett in Crown Ambassador Lager. And you know, he was willing to take the long handle um, to shenanigans um, when it was needed. And I just don't think that we've seen... Main, you know, mainstream beer writing hasn't gotten better. There's probably more columns about it. There's probably more references to beer media in to, to beer in the media, only because craft beer is actually a thing in the community, and they know that it gets hits. But I don't think the news and analysis um, of it is uh, particularly good. Do you think the rise of social media, and Jimmy, you might have some interesting um, thoughts on this, having as, as being in the industry, but also, I guess, being um, more in that the target market, I guess, for a lot of the Facebook groups that are involved around beer. But has, has social media kind of diluted the um, the quality? And I'm and I'm taking the you know ourselves and and crafty out of out of this, but looking at the the actual social media side of things, um, is there just more kind of here and now? Um, my opinion or slagging off or yeah there's more met. there's just more noise I think I think everyone you know it's just the world we live in now everyone's got a voice um, you know in their pockets kind of thing I, I I had to unfollow every Facebook group and <laughs> forum and thing I just can't deal with the constant I mean when you're in the industry it's it does get to the point where you just go I actually just don't care anymore because if I want to know something, I'll talk to my peers about it or I'll read the, the news, which is Bruce News or Crafty or whoever. But sitting there on a Facebook thread, someone arguing about ugh, where on, something, did, did, yeah, I don't, I, whatever. Did you say the one that Matt and I uh, saw this week? And look, if you're in lockdown for you know an indeterminate amount of time and with no um, light at the end of the tunnel, I've actually moved back to... Um, reading this stuff because it is just hilarious it just it, <laughs> it just makes me feel better about myself and it, and it gives me a laugh um but the the one where somebody had on one of the groups had uh asked you know what's the actual difference between a, a nipa and a and a hazy um and you know 400 comments later we're still you know uh, is there a difference what, what did you guys think 
Oh, I didn't see it. I, well, there were plenty, there were I plenty guess... of opinions. Some of them, some of them constructed in sentence form. Um, <laughs> is, is there a difference? What were, what was the conclusive findings of the uh, four hundred comments? <laughs> was there a? <laughs> did someone edit the post and then go? You know, we found the answer, guys. Stop commenting. No, it wasn't quite like that. No, I didn't get to the end because, as inevitably these things end with an admin coming in and um, you know wrapping everyone <laughs> over the knuckles for being silly. Um, wow. So I don't it's know like, if it's like Parliament if, if it did go that way. Um, but yeah, no, the the, um, the definitive answers were many and varied. That's the thing, and you know, I don't want to sort of go off. You know, go read um, the article on Crafty Point. Read all of the ones about the last ten years because there's quite. Um, quite a bit to, to celebrate over the last 10 years. Um, but people are critical of the media for a whole lot of legitimate reasons um, because despite holding themselves out as being, you know, something above, you know, the, the average opinion, um, they, they're businesses. So, you know, they're trying to get eyeballs, they're trying to get clicks and all of those sorts of things. Um, but at the same time... You can't just write an article on a publication without getting quotes and comments and stories from people that are willing to put their name to it. And the Facebook groups are fantastic for engaging people. Um, you know, it, it's democratised sharing. Breweries can speak directly to um, consumers. Consumers can speak directly to brewers. Um, but you've got a whole lot of people that don't necessarily have knowledge that are speaking with great authority and giving opinions. And that does create an echo chamber. And, you know, the, the other thing that I've come to see is that, you know, craft beer is increasingly a small little walled garden um, of a much bigger industry. And it's one of the things that we've tried to avoid on Brews News is that we do look at the relevance of seltzer. And, I, you know, I would argue potentially that we were probably the first, you know, proper media outlet in the country to report seriously on seltzer you know it'd been talked about a little bit on facebook groups i think but we'd been watching what was going on in the states and could see that it was going to happen here and suddenly you know 12 18 months later after we started talking about it to the extent that we were getting you know becoming a meme in ourselves for talking (laughs) about seltzer but suddenly we are going to see this huge breaking wave of seltzer this year and you know, we, we, I reckon we, we were certainly the first legitimate uh, beer news organisation to mule seltzer back into the country <laughs> from overseas. So, that, and, and there was it. And look, again, because we talked about it and we talked about the implications, some people think that I have a you know dislike of seltzer. And well, I mean, I I, I have a taste preference to drink something other than seltzer because it's not my thing. Um, but I don't think it's targeted at fifty-year-old men either. We talked about it because of the impact it's going to have on the, the brewing industry, and it absolutely is. In in the states, I saw that um, you know seltzer is still growing at two hundred and fifty percent, admittedly off a small base. Craft beer has actually sold less in volume for the, the period to August, and it, it's going to have an impact here. And it, it, it's looking at some of those broader things, you know, not just what a definition of a neeper is compared to a. Um, Hazy, and I still don't know what the difference. Like, you know, if 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 the difference is written down in a style guide, I can tell you what the difference is. If the difference is based on me reading the label of a beer and drinking it and trying to pick the difference between that and something that's labelled as something else, you know, like the, the, these days you can pick up something that's labelled as a hazy and something that's labelled as a West Coast IPA and go, okay, so there's no difference between a West Coast IPA and a hazy, judging by some brewers. Uh, 
you know, labelling. You name check the, uh, you know, the style guidelines, but is it relevant if brewers aren't really brewing to style, particularly with these particular um, styles of beer? They're, they're not brewing to the style anyway. Yeah, and, and, you know, everything is an IPA these days. I mean, Stephen Beaumont called that a couple of years ago in a, in, in a great tweet, but we were talking about it last night, Pete, when we were playing cards. Uh, we I had a beautiful beer from Akasha, um, which was their... Uh, Little Smith Little IPA. Smith, 3.5% IPA. And it was a beautifully balanced beer, but IPA was just there to tell people that it had hops in it. <laughs> you know, well, like. well, in that particular one, and I, I don't know whether Akasha has deliberately done this, but their Hopsmith IPA is a cracking IPA. So rather than call it Hopsmith Pale, because to me it was a pale ale um, for the three point five percent, for the you know the lower bitterness, the you know nice hop character, but it, you know it's it's a half the version of the Hopsmith. But for me, not an IPA, not a disappointing beer, but not an IPA. So I, I just wonder whether in that particular case they've done it because it, it riffs off the Hopsmith IPA. If they invented that beer first, for example, would they have called it an IPA? Maybe not. And, and that's one of the big – but, I mean, that, that's marketing, you know, so that, that's probably not beer media, um, but that's sort of marketing. But, yeah, and, and but it's having people um, who can, you know, analyse and interpret and discuss some of those things that I, I think – justifies uh, a beer media and if, if I can just quickly jump on two more high horses about that you know I, I look at um, you know we, we didn't <laughs> we certainly didn't put the resources into celebrating 10 years that Crafty did I don't think we even really remarked on it um, mainly because we forgot um, but you know over the 10 years that Brews News has been going you know we've covered some really important stories um and you know some of those were you know some you know, a little bit frivolous in a way looking at the the crown lager you know, how badly they got their history wrong and on one hand you can sort of say oh, look it's just having a go at CUB but on the other hand i know that internally our coverage of the Crown Lager thing um, is actually taught internally um, to new brand managers um, and, and, and staff by legal and risk. So I'm saying, look, this is what's happened when we haven't known our own story. You know, we, we need to understand it. And that changes the way that they market, um, which has a huge impact on the rest. You know, if, if, if you've only got beer industry trade that rely on advertising from the big guys who aren't going to hold them to account and say, hold on, you're saying this about your number one premium brand and it's not true um, and being willing to actually go toe-to-toe with them, then you give permission to um all businesses to behave in that way um and you know I, I think that that the way that we held them to account for that is something that even the, the business internally acknowledges the the, the labeling issue with byron bay um pale lager was another one and you know our coverage directly i think directly led to the ACCC intervening on that because nobody else picked it up to run with um at least publicly and now there is a de facto um, requirement that you know the, the big brewers at least put some statement about where their beer is made and you know there, there are a couple of wins that we've had and the, the challenge with running a business that does that sort of journalism is you upset people and if you upset people they're not going to take ads they're not going to support you financially um, and you know it 
I, I look at how many media releases I get these days from small little breweries that are paying a expensive public relations firm a lot more than we would ever get for a subscription or Crafty Pint would ever get for a directory listing. And, you know, I, I just want to say to these breweries, you know, if it wasn't for Crafty and us, where would this story from a public relations firm be getting placed? Um, you know, so you're spending a fortune on someone to write a media release for you, but you're not willing to subscribe to Brews News or you're not willing to take a directory listing on Crafty Pint. Where do you think that your money is going? Um, and so I, you know, Will um, quoted me on, you know, that there's been a shift to public relations and away from advertising. But without advertising, there is no beer media. On to some better news. We do need to cover some other news. And uh, this is a bit of yin and yang. Uh, our first story, indie beer on the up, uh, but big brewer craft rising fast. Uh, and the downside of that, I guess, is New Zealand beer sales data shows a $200 million COVID loss to pubs. I'm assuming that's New Zealand dollars, so $200 million That's uh, Which is uh, it's about $190, $195 million yeah. Australian, I think. So it's a, a, a big um, a big. Loss. So the Indie Beer latest stats from IRI Worldwide show that craft beer is a significant contributor to beer's overall growth with indie craft surging. They also confirm craft has seen a surge during COVID-19. At its height in June, independent beer, which the IRI uh, refers to as exploration craft, contributed 83.7% of the beer category's growth that month, which is a fair, a fair effort. On the other side of the coin, Gateway Craft, which the IRI defines as the craft brands owned by big brewers, uh, has grown considerably, though still not quite achieving the same growth contributions of independent. So that's that's an interesting one. I thought that um, craft as a whole, as you say, Matt, the uh, the rising tide floats all boats, but it seems that the the bigger boats are, are getting a little bit further ahead. Yeah, look, and yeah, I mean those statistics. There's a lot you can pull out. Michael actually then overlaid some stats, New Zealand data about the amount of alcohol it was consumed as beer um, with the IRI data about what was being consumed and then where it was being consumed to come up with that $200 million estimate. Um, it, great little bit of work from our New Zealand journalist. But yeah, look, it, it, it's interesting to see that there is a bit of a shift towards the exploration craft. And whilst IRI, you know, whilst it's categorised as being indie craft, I think it also brings in the green beacons and the bolters from stuff that I've seen similar um, I've seen in, in Australia. But most of the growth um, in the beer industry is coming from craft in all its forms, which are in, in New Zealand as well. Jimmy, what are you guys seeing? Because I know that you've started down at uh, Felons, uh, down at Howard Smith Wharves, um, which is a brewery, but then also a, you know, a, a venue. How are you guys going as a venue post-reopening? Because you're still heavily limited to numbers, aren't you? Yeah, we're capped. Our, our capacity is quite large, though. We can have 600-odd people there, so it's still a pretty big whack. Um, I mean, we're, we're busy, really, really busy. Um, and I think a lot of guys around town are still, you know, doing quite well considering, you know, they can only have half or whatever their numbers are depending on the space. But, um, yeah, it's I think people are sort of, they're back, they're back out. It's just warmed up as well in, in, in Queensland. So venues are... From, from what I can see, pretty, not back to normal, but they're definitely pushing the limits in terms of what they can do. But I don't know if that's just people being locked down and bored for three and a half months or just chomping at the bit to, to get back on craft beer or get their, their fix or whatever. But uh, yeah, venue-wise, we're, we're good. How are you picking up 
their behaviour has changed? Like, are you seeing people coming in in masks? Are they socially distancing? Or once they've got that two or three drinks under their belt, you know, you're sort of seeing a lack of social distancing. And, you know, if there's one infected person, it's mm. going to spread pretty quickly. No, no, it's, I mean, it's, we, we, we and all venues have to police that very strictly. And, and people are good about it. It's not like, it's not like this is only happening at one venue or, or, or in one town. It's, it's a worldwide thing. So everyone's aware of it. Um, people are really good, uh, quite honestly. Um, and if, you know, I think the biggest thing is at the moment in Queensland, you have to be seated if you're drinking or eating and that people forget because they're at a pub and they've had two or three drinks and then they, you know, want to get up and have a chat to someone or, or whatever the case, but you just tell them to sit down and they sit down. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good and it'll be interesting, you know, when the day comes that we, you know, go back to normal or the new normal, what that looks like and if people are just going to absolutely cut loose or if it's just going to be, you know, okay, no, no, it's fine. I don't have to run around or, yeah, carry on. But it, It's interesting to see the um, the last uh, line there of the, uh, of the story about the New Zealand sales data. Um, small lift in classic styles as Kiwis move their drinking from the pub to the home. And I wonder whether that's, um, you know, like I say, Jimmy, the weather's nice, so that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. In Melbourne, I think it's probably a little bit different. Regional Victoria, different again. I don't I don't know that people are going to be rushing to get back to the pub because I, I think partly we've said, well, you know, with the, the rise in online and delivery and um, click and collect and all that sort of thing, that perhaps we're changing our habits a little bit and, and enjoying something different. Or re, you know, rediscovering, um, as the Kiwis say, classic styles. So I don't know whether that means Steinlager. One of the reasons for that uh, in New Zealand context, um, I understand, was the major retailers limited. And there was an initial limit to what they were stocking. So I think they were preferencing oh, the bigger okay, brands so, yeah. because of supply chain issues during the lockdown. So I, I think that may not have been a consumer preference thing. It may have been a well. All I can buy in my bottle shop is is X um, easily. So some of those bigger brands got a bit of a, a bump there. Yeah, yep. Um, moving on, and I guess uh, related, but the AHA says Victoria's pubs are, quote, bleeding with debt. Victorian hotels and pubs will bleed further with debt and face going over the cliff under the extension of Stage 4 COVID-19 virus restrictions announced by the Andrews government today. Uh, this is a couple of days ago. Uh, AHA, which is the Australian Hotels Association, uh, Victoria, President David Canney said Victoria's pub industry is bitterly disappointed with further delays to reopening, placing publicans on a debt cliff, which will see many not meeting Premier Daniel Andrews' desire for a, quote, family Christmas. Uh, moving the thresholds again place further anxiety on hotels and pubs owners and their employees. AHA has... 1,450 members employing more than 52,000 people and contributing $4.2 billion to the state's gross state product. Um, and news this week, uh, there were a couple of pubs that have just decided that, that the, the landlord has said, I want six months rent. Um, no, you know, I need my, my cash. And so they're just closing up. Like These are pubs that have... Um, you, know, uh, you know, flagship, they're iconic, they're classic pubs that just, you know, that's it, they're just walking away. This, this is one I, I would not want to be, um, you know, for, for all that we uh, shit can politicians <laughs> at the start of the show, um, I wouldn't want to be um, running this COVID crisis and making decisions, um, you know, because you've got people that have varying views about 
the, the, the virus and its severity. You've got different um, differing opinions about, um, you know, the financial impact and how to, um, what, what, what you can do. Um, but, you know, regardless, there are, what, whatever they decide, there are going to be very, very real impacts um, for businesses and families and communities, whether they lock down further or whether they open up more. Um, and it's just a very, very hard thing. But, you know, it, 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 it is going to be sad to see what the social fabric, you know, like the, the, the so far as pubs, you know, in, in communities, what, what the long-term effects of COVID is going to be um, without commenting on the, the, the decisions. Um, yeah, because at the end of the day too, yeah, people I think will... Missed, a lot of people miss that that pint in the pub. They miss catching up with friends there and that sort of thing. It's different to Zoom. Um, you know, we've we've now been granted a you know a family bubble where you you get to uh, not pick one person that you really like, but pick a lot of people that you um, you know you basically tell them that you don't like as much um, that you're allowed to hang out with. I wonder whether when we do go back to the pub, whether people, yeah. As you were suggesting before, and, and Jimmy's possibly seeing it at, at Fallon's, you know, do people kind of get in? I'll get my, I'll get my, uh, my catch up, or, or I'll get my beer, and then boom, I'm out because I don't want to, I don't want to hang around. So the, the fabric of the pub, I think, I think will change. I, I think, we'll, I think we'll all want to jump back into it because we haven't, because we haven't been allowed to have it. But I think then, when is it going to be the same if you're in there and everyone's in masks and everyone's getting temperature taken and everyone's in a, a queue with two metres between them um, to get hand sanitizer and all the rest of it. I, I don't know whether it's you get, nah, it's not worth the effort. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking a little bit more about, you know, if, if these venues close with, you know, no, it, you know, even if things open, um, you know, it, it, it sounds like we're going to be living with COVID for some considerable period of time. Um, and, you know, we'll... If, if these venues close, will we see another generation of entrepreneurs go, you know what, um, I, I can use my entrepreneurial talents in something other than hospitality because hospitality is too risky. Um, and, you know, what are the long-term effects of that going to be on the hotel industry, the restaurant trade, you know, microbreweries? Um, you know, we, we're not, we're not going to know this uh for a long, long time, and it, you know, one of the things that really struck me recently was someone saying we're actually living through, you know, history. We're all living through history all of the time in a way, but this is one of those things that, when you look back, it is going to have profound repercussions that are going to magnify. You know, if, if a butterfly flapping its wings can change the, uh, you know, weather in Australia, um, then this is, you know, like a. a a meteorite crashing um, into the economy and we don't know what the downstream impacts are going to be for for a generation or more. Yeah, and there'll certainly be more, if nothing else, there'll be certainly more analysis of this period of history um, and, and lessons to be learned, I think, mm. taking uh, to, to be taken forward. Uh, like you say, you know, w- what will the pub of, you know, in the next decade, if somebody was to open a, a venue, what, you know, what would it look like, you know? Uh, are we going to utilise, you know, rooftops? Um, are we going to allow not more, Melbourne, you know, not, outdoor? I <laughs> oh, mate, no, the thing is, we we'll go, we'll go eat, drink, do whatever. In any, there's no. Here's the thing about if Melbourne was a t-shirt slogan, it'd be there's no such thing as bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. Yeah, <laughs> whereas in Queensland, um, if it's you know if if it's not sunny, we don't go out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, but and, and mate, you know that that affects your demeanour. It affects your, your it affects your your culture. It affects uh, you know I, I guess the way people design their 
their venues and, and that sort of thing. But anyway, speaking of Queensland, Matt, Forex Dry exceeds targets despite challenges. Despite being released on tap just two days before COVID lockdown started in March, Lion says Forex Dry has exceeded initial sales expectations. Uh, brand director Amy Darvel told Brews News that the first new beer launched under the Forex Master brand since the 2015 launch of the now-deleted Forex Pale is tracking at more than double its original volume targets. Uh, fun fact, I um, in my quest this week to catalog all of my um, my beer collection came across the, a forex pale and a, another forex i'd forgotten uh, about forex pale yeah that was like a yeah, big exactly thing. yeah we didn't forget on bruise news i have made reference ah, wow. yeah so that was the thing uh, well that was um that one i think that was 2015, 2015. 26 to 2015 yeah. it, it, it launched um and, you know, it, it shows the big guys. Now, it's funny. I feel the need to defend writing a story about a mainstream beer like this because it wasn't um, as a result of a media release. There was nothing that triggered this other than I remembered that we did a story about it. Um, it had a lot of interest at the time because a big brand doing a story. And I was wondering, um, you know, gee, when you launch a major brand right at the start of a crisis... How does it go? Um, and also, how does it go? Because my local bottle shops um, don't have it. And I saw somebody commented on Facebook, um, it's amazing how much beer you can move when you force pe- venues to take it under their allocation, um, which I thought was quite interesting. It was a quite, a, you know, it's, it's some of the little comments you get from people who work in the industry on Facebook um, always reveal a lot more um, because you're seeing a lot of hotels and bottle shops putting these big floor um, displays of Forex that as a consumer you might think, oh, wow, you know, this must be doing really well if they're putting all of this out. But then if you've got a sales rep going, well, under your contract, you've got to take X leaders from us. Um, we want you to take it under this. Y- y- you never know. But according to Forex, it's going real strong. But do you think that's just, you know, all the Forex diehards who walk into a bottle shop and see a brand they know and there's a floor stack and it's three bucks cheaper than the, you know, Forex gold case or Forex bitter is it just them buying it one time and then that's what's driven the first well that, that was push. what was interesting because yeah. if you if you're trying you often buy a single or a, or a six pack so you're not stuck with a whole carton of stuff that you don't like um and uh, amy was saying that um carton sales are are huge um but again can you take that data and compare it to the last launch that they did that wasn't during covid Interesting too. Do you, do you reckon they give these brands enough time? I know they're constrained by you know um, capacity issues and scheduling and all that sort of stuff. But do they really give them enough time, or do people just try Forex Pale and go, I can't taste the difference between that and you know Forex Gold? Well, I think Forex Pale is really quite a bold move for them, right? I mean, Forex as a brand is you know it's lagers and. It's basically just two different lagers, and uh, even though they're called bitters, so <laughs> yeah. people think they're drinking. An well, that's historical, beer, you, you know? know, because once upon a time they were actually um, bitter. They were that, yeah, yeah. Um, or sparkling Victoria ales. Bitter. Yeah. You know, like Forex sparkling because you know, they used to have a sparkling ale um, that was a lager as well. Forex pale. It's not exactly speaking to their direct, you know, customer base. Whereas Forex dry, I would think if you drink gold or bitter. Something called dry is another word in that vocabulary that you know. It's like if they released a forex draft, people would go forex crazy crisp. for it. Yeah, you know, crisp, like crisp lager. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's where yeah. Look, good luck to them for trying because what story was it? Um, I talked about something Great Northern, which launched ten years ago, 
And at the same time, CUB also launched Pure Blonde White, which was a pure blonde riff on um, a Belgian wit beer. Um, and Han, did Han bring out a wit as well? No. Han brought out a no, white. The, it was no, Han, there, was a, there was a white. I can't remember. It wasn't, wasn't Han, though. I'm sure it wasn't under the Han label. Somebody somebody remember. Um, buy Han white bottles, 330. Han, yep. It was Han White. There you go. I, I have no recollection of that one. Can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can remember something from 10 years ago, an obscure beer. Um, Han White, Belgian-style etched beer glass. They even I just sort of uh, quickly Google. So, yeah, so, you know, brewers do try these things, and I guess as, as they see craft styles bleeding into the mainstream with that, um, what they call it, the uh, gateway craft, they try and make it, you know, let it bleed into the mainstream and, and take it out. And, you know, good luck to them for trying. Yeah. On that note, no late-breaking news or anything like that? No late-breaking news. Nothing's come through the wires. We were, we we were talking about Akasha before. Um, now, depending on what time, keep an eye out. Is there is there an announcement coming? Is there something Well, this won't go out until tonight. So, yeah, they're, they're announcing well, it. If you're listening to this after 7 o'clock, you'll already know. <laughs> but if not... Well, it won't it's a go surprise, out. Yeah. which I now can't tell you in case you're listening before well, 7 o'clock. No, I'm pretty sure that we can – I'm pretty sure Dave won't be upset, you know, a bit of a teaser about the Akasha rebrand. Oh, well, you've said it now. <laughs> hey, Matt, is Akasha having a rebrand? Did, 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 you heard it first here on radio on Bruce Newsweek. We, we, we might actually, uh, having teased it, having announced it, having broken the embargo, we might actually uh, maybe even get Dave on to uh, have a bit of a chat about you know, why a brand that's got such credibility and uh, recognition already um, has a rebrand. Well, and here's the other thing too. You know how some some uh, brand images or logos or uh, mascots or whatever can be a bit polarising. People go, oh, yeah, the beer's great and I love the beer, but oh, it, it, crappy cans or, or I don't like the logo. A car I've never really had that with. I thought it no. was always bold. It was um, recognisable. Um, there was nothing. I don't know. I've, ne- I've never heard anyone say oh, shit branding. Yeah. So, it was, so it's, I'd, I'd be really interested to get from Dave uh, what brought it about. Is it just that? Uh, well, you know, it, it's had its time. So in, you know, you, you need to keep being fresh to be heard above the noise. Um, or was it just you know? Because I know you know, and Dave was obviously very uh, emotionally attached to Riverside, uh, and it was really hard for him to to move away from that. To then, I guess, get that second chance that so many people don't have in their lives. Like somebody buys your business, or somebody buys you out, or you know the business fails, or whatever, and that's it. You go and do something completely different. Dave was lucky to sort of, you know, I guess, capture lightning in a bottle twice. So I'd be really interested to to see. Let's what get him it on. Was. Yeah. Uh, actually, Pete, we haven't done a uh, tandem uh, beer as a conversation for a while, so we might even, you know, tag team. Oh, um, Matt, it's been so long since I've been out doing beer as a conversations, you know. No, but we can do it, by Pre-lockdown. Yeah, no, no, that'd be great. Yeah, cool. Anyway. Um, but anyway, but time Moving for... on, we're, we're sort of, uh, yeah, time's getting away from us. <laughs> he, he says as, as if it wasn't his own fault. <laughs> I, wonder if, I wonder if Dave consulted Rowling's label stickers and packaging before changing his logo. Um, brewers, if you're still applying self-adhesive labels to your bottles and cans and you believe that this is a sustainable solution for your packaging needs, you might want to call the guys at Rowling's labels, stickers and packaging to discuss your options with them. Uh, give the guys a call on 1300 852 235 to find out more. 
all letter writers will receive a Deb Blue Bakes cookie and you will all go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week. And don't forget, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting app. Uh, cost you nothing but a little bit of your very valuable time. Although, if you're in Melbourne, like get on and write a 200-page um, review of uh, Good Brews Week, if you like, because, you know, we've got nothing else to do down here. And uh, we certainly do appreciate your help. You can also join our Facebook group. Just search Radio Brews News and use the password Soapbox. You've got to say it out the side of your mouth. Um, now, Phil Sharp, I'm speaking of the Facebook group. Maybe I'm old school. I just can't get my head around alcohol-free beer. Warming up, Jimmy. You're warming up. You ready? <laughs> Wind it up. Come off the long run. You ready? I'm about to say play ball. The definition of beer says it all. Alcoholic drink. Maybe call it something else. Any thought on a name? Uh, not so hard, Wurzer. Not, not so, so hard, Wurzer. I think he's trying to say like water, but like wort, like right. That's okay. quite clever. Yeah. Water, not yeah. seltzer. Yeah, yeah like yeah. water. It's like it's just wort, but yeah. <laughs> Phil, Phil is a father, and he's bald, and he wears glasses. So I yeah. think you're banned like, <laughs> from using the pissing myself emoji. But anyway, and he did put in the beer, an alcoholic uh, drink made from yeast, fermented malt, flavored with hops. Of course, that's a traditional definition. As yeah, we know, yeah, that words yeah. can and, and change meaning. Change, definitions well, change. IPA means nothing, does it? If I describe my, you know, black bean and cauliflower uh, disc placed on, uh, you know, some, some salad and some offcuts of, uh, you know, uh, baked flour, it sounds quite confusing, but if I just call it a burger, even though it's a vegan burger or a veggie burger, you know, because people have a definition of a burger being meat, cheese. Can't be a hamburger when there's no ham in well, it. Well, it's not a hamburger, but it's a burger, you know. So I think we just have... Never had ham. It was it was Hamburg steak. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. But, Very uh, different. I don't know. I, uh, for, for point of reference, it, it it makes sense, you know. It's it's alcohol-free beer or, or... It's not like you're going to confuse anyone who's shopping for a alcoholic beer. And they, Actually, I went to a bottle shop yesterday and... Uh, I was, I was scanning the fridge and I actually saw some alcohol-free products and I just wanted to know what the, the price was because uh, I hadn't really considered that. And it was about $2.50 a stubby if you buy a six-pack of uh, one of the big boys' uh, zero-alcohol beers. Which Excise. Yeah, totally. Um, but I, was just, I just didn't really know what they were going to charge for them. But... Um, you know, it's still in the bottle shop and it's still in the fridges, you know. And it's still a bit, like it doesn't have alcohol. Yeah. Um, it, well, yeah, meaningful levels of alcohol. But, yeah. You know, so, I don't know. I, I, yeah, you know I, I, mean, like, I think you're just being old school, Phil. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> no, no, he's learning to be beer. So, you know, he's doing the, the course up there. And I did say they released their, their first lager. I'm... Froth Rookies, um, as they're known, the uh, TAFE, Queensland TAFE uh, course. So Tuesday, they're having a, a bit of a, the, the IBA is having a meeting there and I'll be able to report back on what the Froth Rookies beer is like. Excellent. And uh, now also from Mark De Reuter, also in the Facebook group, uh, and he's shown a picture of Einstock Icelandic Arctic Pale Ale. This is the best light beer I've ever tried. Only 2.25% with plenty of flavour. Found it in a supermarket in Iceland. Um, and here, uh, at this ABV, it's considered non-alcoholic and therefore as cheap as soft drink. <laughs> so, hashtag winning. I'm surprised that they... So, it's an APA. It's an Arctic Pale Ale. I'd, an Arctic Pale Ale, yeah. At two no, point, it's, an, it's an IAPA. It's an Icelandic <laughs> Arctic Pale Ale. <laughs> or an Icelandic India Pale Ale, which would make uh, it a double it, well, IPA, now, which would confuse people at 2.25%. 
Now, again, this is the Melbourne thing because, um, of course, you know, we're, we're doing nothing but binge-watching um, whatever Netflix is, is throwing up. And so we're into almost the end of uh, the final season of, of Vikings at the moment. Um, I'd like to see, you know, like, a, a Viking ale as a style. And, it, you'd, of course, it'd have to be packaged in a uh, horn. In a horn. That yeah. I'm sure that Rallings yeah. would be able to fit a label to. I tell you what, <laughs> if anyone could wrap a label on a horn, it'd be Rallings label stickers and packaging. <laughs> And horn labels. Um, but, yeah, that, that was an interesting one. So thanks, Mark, for your contribution. And we've got a five-star Apple review from Oz Wilbur. Beautiful Friday Arvo drive home. I like what you did there. I was lucky enough to find this podcast after a work colleague told me to listen to one of the Beer is a Conversation interviews with Pat McInerney earlier in the year. Wasn't that a great chat? Sorry, that was, that was an awesome chat with Pat. Pat's, Pat's just the loveliest bloke. He, he's terrific. I still want to find out too. We had a chat with him at uh, at Gabs back when we could have a chat with people and sit next to each other. Because um, of course he, he did the elbow elbow ale A L B O for uh, elbow. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Albanese, and then after the last election, I asked him if uh, if it was true that he was going to make his next beer using the tears of uh, Labor supporters. Um, and he said he would. He laughed at that. He thought it was funny. And after that, I have been hooked. A fantastic look at the beer industry as a whole with an inside view to its ever-changing landscape. I try to hold out on listening until my Friday afternoon drive home. It's a great way to lead into my weekend, keep up the great work and keep the news flowing. That was actually a lovely. It was a really nice review. Like, it, yeah, it was nice to hear that it had been recommended Thanks, for one thing. Yeah, so Oz Wilbur, if you send us, if you get in touch when you listen uh, Friday afternoon, shoot us a message to producer at brewsnews.com.au and we'll get something from our prize cupboard to you. Hey, I, I just realised, Matt, I'd be stuffed if I had to listen to Bruce News in the car because we're not allowed more than five kilometres. So I don't reckon I'd get to the, your second rant within a five-kilometre drive. And on that note, it is time we are away. Um, thank you very much to uh, Crime Alt, to Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging, and to the guys at Beer Cartel for supporting this. Thanks, Jimmy, and thanks, Matt. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Get out there, enjoy yourselves, um, wash your hands, be nice to each other, keep your distance. Um, have a beer for us. As I say, down here in Melbourne, I, I did say there's a couple of you know more articles of you know how to how to speak to Victorians. Just, we're we're still Victorians. We're you know most resilient people on the planet because of weather. Um, so we'll get through. We'll be we'll be fine. Uh, we don't want you guys to deny yourselves any of the pleasures to which you are permitted. Um, Just don't post it to Facebook. <laughs> well, yeah, no, well, no, you still can because at, at the end of the day, you know. It's like looking back on the penny farthing and going, oh, you know, a simpler time, you know. But but, but one day, you know, we'll be, we'll be back on the penny farthing as well. I don't know how I got that. I don't, I don't know. know. You got, anyway. I, I think, I think uh, we need to... Going a little bit stir-crazy down here, Matt. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. Thank you for hosting. Good to have you back. Thank um, you very and, much. Yeah, Claire's off on holidays, which is why Claire wasn't here, and uh, which meant that we were able to do it at a time that suited the uh, Pilsner School. That's it. I've got to go back now before uh, recess and... Uh, Crack the whip. Take care, and we'll see you all next week for Bruce News Week. And we're out. Boom. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. 
Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. 